0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: Society is being more and more secularized. If you're a Christian and you're a committed believer and you stand up for what the Bible says and what the truth of Scripture says, you're going to be shunned, ridiculed, and looked down on oftentimes. As an oddball, as somebody who's out of step with culture, I'd rather be out of step with culture, out of step with society, and in step with God. I don't need to be politically correct, I need to be correct with Heaven's estimation of what we should be doing and living.
0: Is there something taking the place of God in your life? Something you're worshipping by giving your attention, devotion or time to? Today Pastor Ed strongly warns us, only God is worthy of our worship, but in our nation we're pushing Him out, writing Him off and doing things our own way. We allow all of this and then wonder why our world is such a mess. Whatever you fill in the blank with is violating God's first commandment. Friends, nothing should come before God. Nothing. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 3, with part one of his message entitled, The First Commandment.
1: Today we begin a series, a series on the Ten Commandments, law and order. God gave us his law so that we could have order in our lives. When we exclude God, we find ourselves wandering in a wilderness of confusion. When we include God, we find ourselves living in a life of order. God gave us His law for our benefit. And as we begin this series on the Ten Commandments, it's my prayer that you will pray over the commandments, that you'll meditate on them, and that you'll ask the Lord to help you live out in a culture that is in rebellion against God, His Word, and that you will be willing to go counter culture. Let me ask you, what would be on the television news if it wasn't breaking one of the Ten Commandments? Murder, robbery, Lies, adultery, thieves, all, all sorts of things, it's usually focused on someone breaking the Ten Commandments. Picture with me, if all of a sudden the Congress said, we are going to obey, as politicians, the Ten Commandments. What would happen in Congress? What would happen in the federal government, the state government, if all of a sudden I said, thou shall not lie? There wouldn't be all these spins out there and tops going into each other. They're like spinning tops. You know, they're putting air spin on, someone else is putting air spin on. And you say, where's the truth in all of this? Uh, imagine, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Imagine suddenly how it would change our whole country. Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai he came down with the tablet of those ten commandments. He came with the wisdom of the ages. It was that which built the Judeo-Christian value system. That which Western culture has been built on. But we... Increasingly in our country are becoming more and more secular, more and more anti-God, more and more anti-Christ. It was in 1963, the Supreme Court ruled against prayer in public schools. We are progressively pushing God out of our culture. Society is being more and more secularized. If you're a Christian and you're a committed believer and you stand up for what the Bible says and what the truth of Scripture says, you're going to be shunned, ridiculed, and looked down on oftentimes. As an oddball, as somebody who's out of step with culture. I'd rather be out of step with culture, out of step with society, and in step with God. I don't need to be politically correct. I need to be correct with heaven's estimation of what we should be doing and living. In 1980... The United States Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 decision in Stone v. Graham that schoolchildren of Kentucky have the constitutional right not to be assaulted by the presence of the Ten Commandments on their classroom walls. The court's majority revealed its rationale, in part with a remarkable secular frankness. Listen to it. If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be to induce the schoolchildren to read, meditate upon, and perhaps to venerate and obey the commandments. However desirable this might be as a matter of private devotion, it is not a permissible state objective under the Establishment Clause. Nobody's putting two and two together. Look at all the school violence that we've had. Think back to Columbine. Think to Virginia Tech. Uh, Think to what's happening in our society and culture. Our fourth president, James Madison, said, We have staked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government, but upon the capacity of each of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. As we are writing God out of culture, we are destining ourselves for great tragedy. We are determining our direction, and that direction is the wrong direction. For the nation that forsakes God is going to be turned into hell. As a people, we are increasingly called to go counter-culture. I received an email the other day from a friend of mine and they were asking us to pray for pastors and Christians in Iran because they're being persecuted and they're losing their lives for Jesus Christ. And we sometimes flinch because people mock and ridicule and call us odd. Beloved, we must take a stand. We must be willing, like Elijah on the mountain, to stand for the one true God... That's what God is calling us to do as His people. And in this commandment, He says, You shall have no other gods before me. He is calling for our allegiance, for our commitment, for our devotion, for our determination to say we will follow Him. Now, this text teaches us, first of all, that God is God all by Himself. God is God. All by himself. In Isaiah chapter 45 verse 5 it says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. He is the one true God. All other gods are false. All other gods have really no power. It's our God who is God. When you think about the greatness of our God, He is greater than anyone or anything. God's greatness In chapter 20, verse 2, the scripture says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He's asking the Israelites to remember their history with him, what he had done for them, how one by one he defeated the gods of Egypt. He pried open the fingers of Pharaoh as Pharaoh resisted and said, I will not let them go. God said, you're going to let them go. He proved himself to be God Almighty by defeating the gods of Egypt. And those plagues represented various gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Only God is great. King Louis the 14th of France died in 1715. His funeral was crowded with people. They filled the church and into the square. He was one of the great monarchs of his time. In fact, he called himself the Great One. They worshipped him almost. And they looked at his long reign, his prosperous reign, his empire. He made the infamous statement, I am the state. You could see the pride in that statement. I am the state. At his funeral, he wanted a gust. He had planned it out. And he wanted the lights in the church very, very dim. There in his gold casket. With a candle. That lit the church, the bishop got up to give the eulogy. As he got up, went over to the candle, snuffed out that light and said, only God is great. And that was the only eulogy that the bishop gave. Someday, the greatest of us, the greatest men We'll have that candle snuffed out. Someday, the greatest of men will pass off the scene. Only God is forever. He always was, always will be. No one is going to overthrow Him. No one is going to form a coup and take Him off His throne. No one is going to vote Him out of office. He is God all by Himself. He is the great almighty God. That's what the scripture teaches, that he's a great one. You know, you think about the greatness of this creator. People are constantly trying to erase his fingerprints over creation and deny his existence, but they can't do it. Everything that God made, you can see there's design in creation. His fingerprints are over everything he created. If you look carefully enough, you see that he is there. The creator is greater. There's a poem that says, The creator is greater. The poet is always greater than his rhyme. The artist is always greater than the work on the canvas. The singer is always greater than his or her music. The sculptor is always greater than his masterpiece. Thus God exceeds the glory of his handiwork. The works of his mighty hands only point to one better and greater. They are only slight illuminations of his power. God. Is great. He is the one who delivered the Jewish people from bondage and the most powerful nation of the world. We as a nation boast in our greatness, but we are in the twilight of our history. And the light is going out. Because the nation that forsakes God will be turned to hell. The nation that forsakes God is going to be turned into a place of judgment. Why? The chaos in the land. One by one, God is ripping down the gods that men worship. One by one, God is touching our nation. And if we can't see it, we ought to all pray Lord, open my eyes that I might see your hand. Open my eyes that I might see your work what you're doing in this generation God's greatness is always complemented and correspondent to his goodness God's goodness I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery God is good all the time and all the time God is good when he chose the Israelites as his people He chose a weak, beaten down, slave people. He chose them not because of their beauty. Not because of their greatness. You know the old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Well, that's especially true of God. It was in God's character, not in us. That attracted him to lost humanity. That attracted him to mankind. That motivated him to reach down and pick us up out of the miry clay. That motivated him to reach down day after day and reach out to us in grace. God speaking of his great compassion and leading the people out of bondage. In Exodus 19, 4, says this, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. God carried them when they couldn't carry themselves. God kept them when they couldn't keep themselves. God helped them when they couldn't help themselves. God was with them. God's character is clearly revealed in Scripture. He is a God who is filled with goodness. In Psalm 68.5 it says a father to the fatherless a defender of widows in psalm 103 verse 13 as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him isaiah 49:15 can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born though she may forget i will not forget you Oh, where engraved on the palms of His hands. I always like the way Tony Campolo says it. God carries our picture in His wallet. I mean, God loves us with an incredible love. Someone sent me a beautiful email. And let me read to you this email. When I fall, He lifts me up. When I fail, He forgives. When I am weak, He is strong. When I am lost, He is the way. When I am afraid, He is my courage. When I stumble, He steadies me. When I am hurt, He heals me. When I am broken, He mends me. When I am blind, He leads me. When I am hungry, He feeds me. When I face trials, He is with me. When I face persecution, He shields me. When I face problems, He comforts me. When I face loss, He provides for me. When I face death, He carries me home. Hallelujah. God is a good God. He is great and he is good. He is loving and he is all powerful. Richard Baxter said, God's goodness is equal to his greatness. God is as good as he is great. With all of that mighty power, God is so gentle with his people. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39 reads, Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other God. God is God all by himself. There's no one running a close second. He's way out ahead. There, Thomas Wilson said, Our love of God will always be according to our knowledge of him. And his perfections. When the Bible talks about knowledge of God in the New Testament, it uses a Greek word gnosko, which means to know by experience. It's not merely head knowledge about God. Well, I know He's omnipresent, I know He's omnipowerful, I know He's everywhere. No, it's more than that. It's a knowledge about God that He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a knowledge of God that He carries me through those difficult times. It's a knowledge of God that He restores my soul in the valley of the shadow. It's a knowledge that's personal and intimate. To know Him truly is to love Him. And I invite you this morning, if you don't know Him, come to know Him. For the know Him is to love Him. God is God all by himself. That's what that first commandment is saying. No other gods before me. He is the great God and the good God. He is the only God, the true God. What he's saying in this first commandment is that he and he alone is to be worshipped. God alone is to be worshipped. Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We were created to worship God. We were created to worship the Lord. Go to the remotest place on earth. Find a tribe that hasn't been touched by civilization. And you will see people worshiping God. You will see people desiring to worship some God. We were all made with an intuitive knowledge of God. God has put His imprint upon our soul, His imprint upon our lives. Just as you hunger, and you need to eat, and you need to drink, you need to worship. You were made to worship the Lord. The question is, who will we worship? Will we worship the one and true living God? Or will we worship something or someone? In Acts 17, 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, this brilliant city with the great philosophies of ancient history and philosophy that's touched us in our times. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city full of idols. What a tragedy that we are so foolish that we don't recognize that we have our idols. Now we could go back in time to the time of Athens and we would see these statues made of wood, made of stone, made of precious metals and people worshipping those statues and some of those statues represented gods and the spirits behind them. Maybe we don't see people doing that today but they still have idols. We have idols in our nation I think about how we worship our own strength in Habakkuk chapter 111 it says they sweep past like the wind and are gone but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God there are those that worship intellectualism they bow down at the halls of learning they consider that an end all in itself in Germany before the second world war they had more PhDs and master's degree per capita than any other nation. In Germany and Berlin, they have more registered witches than they do ministers. The very home of the Reformation that transformed Christianity. When you think about how men worship their own strength, maybe their physical power, maybe their abilities, maybe their beauties, who we as a nation have talked about our strength, we've talked about all of our, our independence, we've, we've looked at our constitution, and I appreciate our constitution, we looked at all of our documents and said, you know, capitalism is the way. Without God, it does not work. Without His moral laws guiding us, directing us, being boundaries for us, it does not work. Greed will be rampant. Dishonesty will be rampant. It's the Ten Commandments. It's God's moral law that keeps the thing working. And once you take it out, like our founders understood, you're headed for disaster. But don't be troubled. You know why? Because God's in control of history. Don't worry. He is God all by Himself. He is the sovereign God. We get caught up in just this moment in history and forget that God is over everything. Now think about how people worship money and wealth. In Job it says, If I have put my trust in gold, you've heard the commercial, buy Roslyn gold. (laughs) Here's your security. Well, this is what the scripture says, If I put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune of my hands have gained. So that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage. Then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful to God on high. There are people that worship at the shrine of money. What's important to them is their 401 or 403 or retirement or the money they have in the bank or the stocks. What's important to them is their house or their lands or their properties. But listen, you could save all, have all, and in a moment's time you could be in the hospital on your back, not even able to speak. And then what will it do you? At that moment, you'll be saying, God, help me. God. Where are you? See, we ought to at the very beginning recognize what's important in life. And what's important in life is following Christ, knowing God, living for Him, spending our lives for that which will last. In a moment, it'll all be gone. And a puff of smoke. Suddenly, the things that men have trusted in, the things that men have put their reliance on, suddenly gone.
0: The Ten Commandments are truly an epic part of the Bible. Hollywood has forever immortalized this section of the scripture in a movie starring Charlton Heston. While we know that we can't keep these commandments in order to gain entrance into heaven, what is our relationship to them? Pastor Ed will tackle this question and many others as he teaches through this ten-part series entitled, The Ten Commandments. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.